Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. Take on things you've never done before. Don't doubt yourself. You'll be surprised what you can do. Like you will surprise yourself. Oh, I didn't think I could do it, but you'll you'll surprise yourself. Maybe you'll excel in it. It's time for Women Who Code Conversations, a segment to hear from top technology professionals sitting down with a Women Who Code member to discuss real world experiences in the industry, what they've learned over the course of their career and what they think is coming next for tech. Hi, my name is Olivia, one of the directors at Women Who Code Taipei. I grew up in Canada and now I'm currently living in Taiwan. I have a background in cognitive psychology and I'm currently a human computer interaction and STEAM education consultant. I teach about HCI design thinking and the basis of computational thinking and programming to newcomers in the tech world. Today, I'm very delighted to have the opportunity to interview a very special guest, Lucy Kerner, who is here to share about her journey and to give us a snippet of her life as a woman leader in technology. Lucy Kerner is the Director of Security Global Strategy and Evangelism at Red Hat and leads security thought leadership, evangelism, and the technical and go-to-market strategy for security across the entire portfolio globally. Lucy has 20 years of professional experience as both a software and hardware development engineer, solutions architect, and global security strategist and evangelist, where she worked on various aspects of security. In addition, she helps create and deliver security-related technical content to the field, customers, partners, analysts, and press, and has spoken at numerous events, including security conferences, and she is a Red Hat Summit top presenter. Lucy is also a frequent author of security articles at various online magazines. And prior to joining Red Hat, she worked at IBM as both a mainframe microprocessor design engineer and a solutions architect. Lucy graduated from Carnegie Mellon University with a Master of Science and Bachelor of Science in Electrical and Computer Engineering and a minor in Spanish. Welcome, Lucy. Thanks. Hi, Lucy. I'm so delighted to have the opportunity to speak with you and hear about your story. From my understanding, it looks like you have a very solid career in both engineering and in security. Can you tell us a little bit more about your journey to your current position? Sure. Thanks, Olivia. Hi, everyone. So, uh, so I would say my journey always started out with my love for math and science. I I really loved it, you know, as a as a uh, you know child growing up and in high school, and I, I really excelled in it. So, but I didn't know what kind of jobs can I get with that. You know, I don't want to sit there and do solve math problems all day long. Uh, I mean, is that what a job's going to entail? I really didn't know, right? So I went to the career center junior year of my uh, high school and I asked, you know, I said, I really like math and science. Do you have any, do you know of any summer programs that I can apply to? Or, you know, are there internships that you know of? And she told me, the career center person told me, okay, there's this program where they're selecting 25 women across all, across high schools across all of the Washington, D.C. metro area to attend a three-month summer program at University of Maryland College Park, to uh, and they pay for everything from your dorm and also all the intro-level engineering classes there. And that exposes you to all the various engineering disciplines that University of Maryland College Park offers. So I thought this was a really good opportunity for me to learn what, what is engineering, what exactly are these disciplines, is this something I might want to pursue, that kind of thing. So that's, I got into that program. And um, 
So, you know, I got exposure to chemical engineering, uh, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, chem- uh, et cetera, right? So I actually, um, through that program, I knew coming out that, oh, this engineering is what I want to do. Specifically, I wanted to do electrical and computer engineering. So after that, um, I knew to filter what schools I wanted to apply to, right? So I wanted to have some safe schools for electric, electrical computer engineering, but also some well, more harder to reach schools, right? So I applied and I um, and I chose to go to Carnegie Mellon University and I actually um, got accepted into the electrical and computer engineering program. And that's what I graduated with, with both the master's and bachelor's in electrical computer engineering. And during my years at uh, Carnegie Mellon, another thing I did was I took... I, every summer I interned at various different places because I wanted to know what type of company did I want to work for and what type of work did I want to do. So, you know, I interned at um, MITRE, I interned at Lockheed Martin, I, I interned at Apple. And, um, and so I knew I wanted to be a hardware and hardware engineer as my first job out of college. Right? So I worked at IBM uh, as a, um, I, a microprocessor, hardware design engineer, designing microprocessor, you know, how do I make it um, fast and how do, but how do I make, uh, also make it um, uh, super fast, but also small, right? Because you want microprocessors to be custom microprocessors to be small, but fast, right? So um, that was my job for about five or six years uh, uh, out of college. And then there was an opportunity inside IBM where the IBM uh, was looking for engineers to enter a customer facing technical role, which they call solution arts architects, right? And so um, and uh, for all, all their line of servers and mainframes. So I said, well, this is not something I, I've never done like customer facing you know, presentations or designing system level um, solutions or anything like this. I, you know, I was at the microprocessor level, very grand, very fine, like fine tuned, very specific role, right? So like, I'm like, I don't know if I have the skills to do this, right? So, you know, there's that, that doubt that comes in. However, um, I said, well, let me try it. And then, so I got, I got into one of the roles as a solutions architect for their IBM based Intel servers, right? So they called them X series. So uh, I was a solution architect. That was my first air, um, stepping stone into a customer facing role where I'm presenting, where I'm designing solutions for customers, um, you know, those kinds of things. So, uh, which I've never done before outside of maybe college, you know, I presented in college, but besides that, I never really did on a professional setting. And so um, what I didn't know is it will be a first stepping stone into where I am today. I didn't predict that in the pro I made pros and cons lists and everything like this. And I never predicted this is going to be a stepping stone eventually to some sort of leadership role in security. I had no idea. You're never going to know, right? All you can do is say, oh, this is something that I that I will learn and grow from and something I have an interest in. And if, and if it meets those things, then it's worth trying. Cause if it's good, if you're going to grow and you are interested in it, then you should, you should, um, you should try it out. Right. So that's what I did. And so I did that for several years. And then after that, I wanted to uh, go to uh, try something different. I wanted to go into the cloud space. I wanted to, um, and I, I also wanted to, I was interested in what Red Hat was doing in the Linux area. So I applied to Red Hat and I um, became a um, cloud focused solutions architect focused on cybersecurity. So I've done you know cybersecurity at an engineering level. Um, and also at uh, at IBM from you know from the mainframe server level, but uh, but I also wanted to try from the cloud uh, security set, uh, area as well. So I, that's what I did at Red Hat as a cloud solutions architect for U.S. public sector who have a very strict um, 
requirements for security, right? So I, I did that for several year, years. And as I did that role, you know, you meet people. I think another important thing that I learned is it's important to network, especially um, with people who uh, that you may want to look up to, that you want to learn from and grow from. So one of the one of the ch- uh, senior level um, uh, people inside public sector saw, saw a, I did a technical integration of Red Hat products to solve certain um, security related challenges for public sector customers. And I presented that to customers. And then, you know, there's a senior person at Red Hat in public sector who saw that and said, you know, Sarducci, you should really present this like externally, like else maybe apply, you know, submit to our annual conference Red Hat Summit. Why don't you submit to some local public sector conferences and things like this? I was like, there's no way I'm not going to get into that. You know, there's another doubt coming out because I've never presented in such a, I mean, to customers, but at that point I hadn't presented to a huge audience, like, you know, hundred plus people, things like this, um, or at big conferences. And the Red Hat Summit is, is our biggest annual conference. And I've never presented there before. Right. So uh, more self-doubt kind of come in. However, um, I got a lot of encouragement from people, especially the leadership team at, um, in public sector at Red Hat, so they so I said, okay, I'll give it a shot. But and not only did I get in, but that year my session was ranked the, one of the top ten uh, sessions, and so I got Red Hat top presenter from that. From that, so but but I, what I also didn't predict is that once once you present as a, and you're, you have the you they can Red Hat leadership saw that saw that oh who is she like what you know oh that's actually a great presentation she that that's you know she's actually she can present like what you know think those kind of, so you you start exposing yourself more widely and and um so um which i didn't think that, that you know that that that's what might happen I, I mean obviously it's obvious now but i that wasn't the reason i i, I submitted to red hat summit right so uh, eventually that role um that that my presenting actually got got the attention of several you know red hat leaders and eventually maybe a couple months later maybe a year later i got contacted by a red hat leader that said you know, we're going to create this role focused on security. It's a global role. It, it's going to focus on um, go-to-market strategy for security across the entire Red Hat portfolio, um, messaging, and all this stuff, evangelism, right? And it's that they're going to. It's going to. It's a leadership, a leadership role that we want. Um, that is going. That that this person is going to um, do with an influence and influence and work cross-functionally across Red Hat. And so they said, we think you could, you would be a great candidate and we would like you to apply. And I was thinking to myself, again, doubting, like, oh, do I think I can do this? I've never, you know, uh, done this type of role before and all this. But again, it's about when the opportunities come and you, you, it, you know, if you're interested in it and there is potential to grow, you should always give it a shot. Because you and even though you don't know for a fact that you'll be able to do it or successfully, or you don't know for a fact if you if if it'll if you have any doubts about it, I think those are the that's one of the lessons learned that you know if you have an interest and there's potential to grow, give it a shot. So I gave it a shot, and that's what I've been doing for the past uh, five or six years at Red Hat, and it's been great. <laughs> wow. That's- <laughs> Quite a journey. <laughs> I love how you have such a diverse experience. One question is, how does your hardware and software development background impact your current work in cybersecurity? So I think um, the key thing is that, you know, cybersecurity is a technical field, right? Just uh, just like, you know, cloud or uh, Linux or et cetera, right? So um, I think my background in um, hardware and software development, engineering in general, 
uh, allowed me to understand core concepts in cybersecurity at a deep technical level, such as cryptography, which is you know co core to cybersecurity, right? And, and then in my current role, I take that core technical cybersecurity knowledge, and then I have to uh, apply it to specific cybersecurity challenges that our customers have, uh, and tailor the solution, the customer solution and messaging of how we can help at Red Hat for different personas uh, th that are exist in enterprises, such as the CISO, right? The, the executive level at security uh, organizations, um, somebody like a compliance officer, uh, security or, or somebody on the technical side of security, like security analyst or security engineer or security pen tester. But it also it could be um, other teams that are affected by security or do security uh, in some level, like IT operations, like system administrators or developers, like car so software developers, right? So, um, you know, how do you um, build a solution and tailor the message for these types of different people, right? And that, that core technical knowledge of cybersecurity helps to do that because when you have that knowledge, then you can fine tune it to the different areas. It seems like security is quite complex and covers a vast <laughs> field as well. Um, what, what do you think about security? What does security mean to you? Yeah, I think you're right, you know, that security is very, it's a vast field, I, but that's one of the things I love about it. I love that how vast it is, how constantly growing it is, uh, and it, it, like technology in general, right? So, you know, in security, there's there's this famous um, diagram where it says, like, here's it's a, the vast world of security ecosystem and all these vendors, and you can't even see it. There's so many that you have to zoom in to see every, everything. So the idea, you know, there's everything from network security, endpoint security, incident response, compliance, identity access management, um, newer areas that people are exploring around containers and Kubernetes security, cloud security in general, and then new uh, other more emerging areas around, um, you know, how... Uh, quantum computing is going to change cybersecurity and how we do cryptography as a whole, right? So it's it's growing, it's vast. It, there's a lot of opportunities, um, and so um, and I also feel that you know it's not just about the technology. Security uh, to me is not uh, is not just about the technology. Uh, to do security correctly, it, it involves people, it involves processes, it involves technology. In fact, you know most security breaches out there, um, it's due to human errors. Uh, and so there's, and also there's always a trade-off with security, uh, a balance between, you know, delivering business applications quickly, you know, like I need to get this um, uh, uh, so out the door, this, this product, or I need to get this application or the, out the door as fast as possible, right? Uh, and I, maybe you may compromise security because of that, because there's a lot of check and checks and, you know, checks that you have to pass for security to be happy, right? So maybe you might compromise that to get things out the door faster. Uh, also organizations don't have infinite money and infinite resources. Security is infamously known to be um, very um, uh, limited in terms of resources and funding, right? And so there's not there's no such thing as 100% security. So you know, sometimes I get asked by customers, what can, what's one thing I can do to have 100% security? You know, there is no such thing, right? You can't fix everything. You have to be strategically managed risks uh, and you have to do security in a continuous and in a defense in depth layered security type fashion. Hmm. I see. Well, um, I love how you remind people that it's not just about the technology aspect, but also the people. Things um, more about security, the 
Is there anything about security that you want to share with the audience that you feel that sometimes people kind of forget or people should know more about? Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, think um, if you're interested in a pursuing a cybersecurity role, just remember that you know, your foot in the door doesn't mean that you have to start with a job that has security in the title. You know, for you know, there are core skills that's needed for security, but you may not have security in the title. For example, you know, IT generalists, they you, you know, they have a solid foundation to contribute to an organization's cybersecurity practice. You know, things like uh, skills that you might want to develop uh, and candidates who would be successful in a cybersecurity role would be everything from data security, from Linux to hardening Linux systems to computer, you know, software development programming, um, cloud security, risk management, uh, compliance, threat detection, remediation, um, network security, uh, monitoring, um, troubleshooting, uh, you know, those, those kinds of things. But also you don't have to, it doesn't have to be a hands-on technical role either, right? Again, it's a vast field. So there's program managers, uh, project managers, there's security compliance officers, auditors, um, there's uh, roles inside sales for um, doing security in the, in, a, in, in the sales organization or the marketing organizations and, and many other roles as well. So it's about what specific areas would, would you be interested in? So I think, you know, that's one thing I want to share that, you know, don't just limit yourself. Know that there, there could, if you're interested in cybersecurity, there could be a role for you and you don't have to have your foot in the door just by focusing on the narrow, you know, with only security in the job title. I see. Well, I think, uh, I see a similar theme that um, you're kind of suggesting that people just go for it and then kind of don't limit and themselves. Earlier, you talked a little bit about your role uh, as an evangelism and uh, kind of promoting leadership. Um, what are some of the projects you want uh, you work on to promote thought leadership and evangelism for Red Hat? Yeah, I mean, um, this is a definitely a team sport in terms of um, not just some one only Lucy does this, right? So, um, you know, I help lead a lot of the efforts around security thought leadership and evangelism. But, um, you know, for example, um, our external messaging of what is Red Hat's view on hybrid cloud security? Like, how? What is what is Red Hat's take on it, and how can we help with our things like cloud security? Uh, and uh, it's on external face. You know, for we want that messaging externally. For example, on RedHat.com. Or maybe we want that messaging as a thought leadership in external facing articles. So I write a lot of articles on external magazines, whether it's like TechBeak and Security Boulevard increment magazines, but I'm not the only one. We have others as well. Um, that, so uh, um, that we, that, you know, I, I would say, okay, you know, you do, would you want to write an article around this or team with me to write an article around that threat detection or something like that, right? Uh, another big thing is uh, our presence at not only our conferences uh, for security, such as a Red Hat Security Symposium and Security Track at Red Hat Summit, but also it's our a presence of, at security related conferences around at RSA, at uh, Black Hat, right? What is the security uh, mess, our security messaging there? What do we want to bring in terms of a presentation, in terms of collateral, right? So I, I help lead that type of effort. Um, what our webinars, both internal and external facing webinars, um, and then also influence through, for example, not only the press, but also industry analysts as well um, through industry briefings, uh, providing input to analysts as they write, for example, research reports. And speaking of leadership role, um, 
for some people, including myself, we often work and deliver work to various types of clients, partners, and sometimes we also have to manage different teams. Do you have any advice for people in a similar role and for those uh, having to interact with many types of people and teams on a daily basis? Yeah, I think uh, one of the big things is um, at the end of the day, everyone you're interacting with, their people, right? So you want to have a relationship with them. So, you know, maybe if you've never worked with that person, uh, the short intro call would be really helpful just to get to know who they are, uh, what they're working on, what where in the organization they fit, right? So that's all that's really important. And a lot of, um, you know, you're, you're trying to get them to work with you and also help you with things, right? So the idea is, okay, you know, how do I help influence them to show that what they're contributing to has value, right? So um, being very clear about, you know, this is the goal that I'm trying to achieve. This is why I think you would really help with this. Um, being clear about what you want them to do, when you want them to do it by, right? Um, and also uh, knowing who's who in the organization is key too. Um, so that, that, again, networking comes into the picture too, because, you know, when you network, you find out, okay, well, who, okay, what is your job and how do you fit into this big picture, right? And who else can you introduce me to into the team that I need to work with, right? So that's another big one that you want to know who's who in the organization through networking, through talking um, to people, other people. And it's it's been harder with, you know, every, everyone's remote and doing, you know, at work from home. So you have to be a lot more proactive about um, getting to know these people and also uh, the or, uh, how they fit in into the organization as well. Uh, thank you for the great tip. Um, and earlier, you also talked about your diverse experience in different companies throughout your career. I just wanted to kind of switch gears now and talk a little bit about the culture at companies. What is it like to be a Red Hatter? And what do you think is the most unique about being at Red Hat? So what I love about Red Hat is um, uh, every vo everyone, everyone's voice matters. Like So you know, if you want to say something to the CEO of Red Hat, your voice will be heard. Like they're not going to say, "How dare you? You're just a lowly software engineer. Talk to me, the CEO." Right? There's not a our culture is very much an open culture, a very much a collaborative culture, very much everybody's um, uh, thoughts matter, and everybody we want to hear what you have to say. If you have good input and constructive input, we want to hear it, right? And uh, we will share um, um, how 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 things are going at Red Hat. It's very open, right? And it's again, it's very collaborative. So everybody is, you know, willing to. It's the open source culture of everybody wants to work together. Uh, everybody wants to uh, hear everyone's ideas and incorporate them. And, and the idea is, um, you can always build something better as a group versus just an individual. So that's the type of culture, and that's what the thing I love about working at Red Hat. Sounds like a great company to be at. <laughs> um, okay, so. We were talking a lot about work. Let's talk outside from work. Uh, what are you passionate about outside of work? So, um, uh, so I love dogs, and one of the things that um, I do, I've done for many years um, with my own dog is uh, she's actually a certified therapy dog. So, you know, especially before COVID. Uh, we she, we've done uh, visits to nursing homes, visits to mental health institutes, um, hospitals, uh, and the idea is to bring you know smiles to people's faces, right? So you know the occupational therapist at the mental health institute that I Northern Virginia Mental Health Institute I bring her to um, said that you know 
it's a, someone who hasn't talked for let's say several days suddenly comes out of the shell and talks to the dog or after petting the dog and interacting with it right so it is that, that's really rewarding to me to be able to you know uh, share my dog and the love of my dog with others who can't um, have that uh, for themselves because they're in a hospital or they're in a nursing home, uh, but I get, I get to share that. So I just, I love volunteering and um, sharing that uh, kind of experience with others and helping others. Um, so that's, uh, that's something that I'm definitely passionate about. Oh, that's great. Uh, we have something in common. I love dogs <laughs> and I totally can relate about volunteering. I also volunteer a lot myself and can relate to those positive feelings you mentioned when supporting other people. So that's great. Um, lastly, for women already or want to pursue a career in the tech space, do you have a pro tip for them? Yeah, I think um, the idea is take on things you've never done before. Don't doubt yourself. You'll be surprised what you can do. Like you will surprise yourself. Oh, I didn't think I could do it, but you'll, you'll surprise yourself. Maybe you'll excel in it. Right. Um, that's my own experience. For example, um, know that growth and comfort don't coexist together, but that's okay. Cause when you, but because that means that you're actually learning something and that you're actually growing, it's okay to make mistakes. You know, uh, don't be scared. Don't, um, you know, speak up, don't be intimidated. You know, don't take things personally. Right. Um, you may be the only woman in the room, but that makes you unique, right? And that that take that as an advantage, right? Uh, don't ever stop learning. I, I, it's, I'm constantly learning too. Um, be open to opportunities as they come to you because they may never come to you again. Maybe, maybe not, right? It's a risk. So if it's if you're interested in it, and if you think that you can, uh, you you uh, that is a potential to grow. You know, take take look at it really seriously into taking taking that opportunity, uh, because if if it, the opportunity comes to you, and let's say a senior leader brings you that opportunity, they see see something in you that you may not have seen yourself, right? So that means that you you should really seriously consider it. Um, you can't predict the future, right? So don't just don't you know your pros and cons list will, will won't show everything because you really don't know that stepping stone you're taking where it could potentially lead you, right? So um, yeah, that, th those, are th those are some of the tips that I have. Thank you, that's such an amazing advice. I I'll definitely follow them. <laughs> um, I definitely learned a lot uh, from you and I'm sure our audience also feels the same way. Um, thank you today for sharing your story and we look forward to hearing more from you in the tech security space. All right, thank you. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate and comment.